welcome to the Acting as a Deputy Office of the Public Guardian podcast. My name is Laura and I work in the communications team. Thank you for choosing to listen. I'm here today with Ruth and Sarah, if you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hello, my name's Ruth and I'm a General Case Manager and I've worked for the Office of the Public Guardian for six years. Hi there, my name's Sarah. I work on Lay Team 5 in the Supervision Department and I've been working for OPG for nearly two years. Fantastic, thank you. So this is the final of a mini-series we're doing on how to be a good attorney or deputy. We will be sharing important information, tips and the most common areas people can get it wrong when acting on behalf of a loved one. This podcast is just for deputies, looking at the processes of becoming a deputy and being supervised by us at the Office of the Public Guardian or OPG. So my first question is, when would you need to apply to become a deputy? Um, So you can apply to become someone's deputy if they lack mental capacity, which means that they cannot make a decision for themselves at the time it needs to be made, but they might be able to make some decisions for themselves at certain times. Um, So people may lack mental capacity because they've had a serious brain injury or illness, they have dementia, um, or they have severe learning disabilities. As a deputy, you'll be authorised by the Court of Protection to make decisions on their behalf. Um, And it's really important to know that everyone who becomes a deputy has to report to APG. It's a big responsibility, so you need to make sure that you can take it on. Great, thank you. So what do you need to think about before applying to become a deputy? Something we see happen sometimes is that deputyships aren't always what people need. So you might want to apply to the Court of Protection for a one-off order to make a single important decision, or you can consider if a benefits appointee is sufficient if the person has no or minimal savings. Deputyships are a lot of work and they're not appropriate for every situation. Please look into all of your options before deciding to apply for a deputyship. There's also a document called the COP4, which is a declaration document used in applying for a deputyship. It tells you all the things that are expected of you as a deputy. If you want to read this, go to gov.uk forward slash OPG and search for the COP4. Another useful thing to do is to have a look at the Mental Capacity Act Code of Practice and look at the five principles. In brief, these are, one, you must presume the person has the capacity to make a decision. Two, you must do everything you can to support that person to make a decision. Three, an unwise decision does not mean that they're not able to make decisions. Four, you must always act in the best interest of the person. Five, you must always take the least restrictive path when making decisions. These principles will determine how you act and support the person to make a decision. If you don't follow these principles, you could be removed from acting on their behalf. That's great. Thank you. It's always helpful to remind ourselves of the principles of the Mental Capacity Act. And we've kind of covered the basics there. So is there anything else we need to consider when taking out a health and welfare or a finance and property deputyship? Okay, you need to think about whether you're applying for health and welfare deputyship or a finance and property one, as these involve different things. Think about what you need from the deputyship and make it very clear to the court. If you think you might need to sell the client's house in the future to pay for care fees, make sure that this is included in your application to avoid having to make another application at a later date. 
Oh yeah, that's a good point actually, and something you might not consider when filling in your application, is that if you do need to do some big financial transactions, such as selling a house to pay for care home fees, that you'll need to include that in your application. Um, Some people might just assume that because you've got the court order, that's something that you can do, but actually you need to make sure you've put that in there, otherwise go back to court protection and ask for special permission to do that large financial transaction. So yeah, that's actually really useful to know. Uh, Thanks very much, carry on. Other things also need to be considered, such as if you want to claim family care payments, this is a decision which needs to be decided by the court. So include this in your application too. If you want to make special gifts routinely, which fall outside the terms of the court order, this also needs to be included in your court order. When in doubt, include everything in the application. Yeah, that's a really good point on gifting, actually. We have covered this previously in one of our podcasts called Giving Gifts as an Attorney or Deputy, and that goes into a bit more detail on what you can and can't gift and when it's appropriate to kind of give those gifts. So you should definitely give that a listen if you're interested in finding out more about that. But you can also find more information on our website as well. So gov.uk forward slash OPG, and you'll be able to find stuff on there about, about gifting too. Sorry. Carry on, Ruth. Yeah. As a health and welfare deputy, you will be responsible for making decisions or supporting the person to make decisions on medical treatment and how someone is being looked after. As a financial deputy, you will be solely responsible for paying bills, organising their pension and other financial matters. You can delegate tasks to others to help with responsibility. However, they will not be able to make any decisions. Only you as the de- appointed deputy can do that. Also, consider if there's someone who can help you to also become a deputy. If you apply at the same time, it saves on costs of going to the court of protection twice. You do not need to employ a solicitor to apply for a deputyship, email or ring the court with any queries. Depending on the client's individual circumstances, the court may recommend that you contact a solicitor. Lovely, thank you. So you did kind of touch on a little bit there on having um, someone apply with you. So how does it work if there are multiple deputies? If you've decided to apply with others to act as a deputy, you'll need to look into how you want to act. There's the option to act jointly or joint and several. To be joint only deputies, all decisions have to be made together. So, for example, if you want to set up a deputyship account with a bank, both deputies will need to be there together. If not, banks will not allow a single deputy to act without the other. You need to check with the bank what type of accounts you may have as joint-only deputies. Um, For example, I understand you may not be able to have an internet-based account with joint-only deputies. Acting as joint-only deputies can seem sensible. You both have to agree before any action can be taken, and one person can't act without the other knowing. However, as a case manager, I've seen firsthand how this can be an issue. I had joint-only deputies who lived in different parts of the country. One deputy lived much closer to the person they were looking after. The bank wanted both deputies to be present to register for the count, which was impractical. Also, when the deputy who looked after the vulnerable adult needed to take out money from the bank, the other deputy had to be there too. It quickly became very difficult for them to act in the best interests of their mum, so they're now applying again to be joint and several deputies. Joint and several deputies may make decisions together or on their own. 
this way one person can act alone if needed, but they can come together to make decisions on any bigger issues such as potential care home or selling assets to pay for care. Great, thank you. So what happens if you do apply to become a deputy but you're not appointed? So the Court of Protection will process your application and they'll check whether the person needs a deputy or some other kind of help, such as a short term option to help with decision making. They'll check that there are no objections to your appointment. Um, it will also check whether there are any complicated financial matters for the person and if you'll be able to manage these effectively. In some cases, a professional deputy will be appointed instead. This can be if there are complicated finances, family disputes, or they believe being in the care of a professional deputy to be more beneficial. Looking after a loved one can be difficult. A professional deputy is not emotionally invested and can look at the bigger picture to make some of the more difficult decisions. You can still discuss the best interest decisions with the professional deputy, but they will have the final say. If you don't think a deputy is acting in the correct way, you can report a concern to us. Go to gov.uk forward slash OPG and there'll be a section for reporting a concern. If you are appointed, what is one of the first things that you should do? OPG is asking all new deputies to complete an online report. If a new deputy is not able to do this, they will have to request a paper report. We will support the deputy and how to complete it and provide any technical advice required. To read your court order carefully when you receive it, have you got all the clauses that you need in the order to act on the client's behalf? If not, you usually have 21 days to contact the court and have them reconsider the order. Another piece of information you can look at is a booklet we send out called How to Be a Deputy. And in there are lots of bits of different information um, that you can read. And if there's anything you don't understand, please contact us and we'll explain it. Lovely, thanks. So as a deputy, um, you'll need to fill in sort of annual reports. So how do they work? That's a great question. So we do annual reports. Luckily, you don't have to be good at maths to complete an annual report. Um, you can seek out help from friends and family members, or if you want to, you can seek out support from a professional, such as an accountant. You, you have to bear in mind that if you use the services of a professional, that it may incur costs for the client or the person who needs decisions making for them. And you have to think about whether they can afford this. But also keep in mind that you, as the deputy, are ultimately responsible for completing the report. So the annual report has, um, in, in for a property and affairs deputyship, has a big emphasis on finances, as you can imagine. But um, we are also looking to see that the care and overall life of the client is being considered and that their best interests are being met in all areas of their life. So you're going to tell us about making best interest decisions. So if you choose to, for example, sell a property to pay for care fees, that this would be a significant decision and you can tell us about these. You can tell us about how involved people are in the decision making, which is underpinning the mental capacity principles I've talked about earlier. Um, we don't want the reports to be perfect. We just want them to reflect what's actually happened. So, you know, it's not a test. We are just wanting to see how, how the client is doing and how you're doing as a deputy. Are you upholding the Mental Capacity Act and the terms of the court order? We are able to do uh, reports online now. So we have a digital service. This means that we get um, all the information instantly. So there's nothing getting lost in the post. Equally, we do provide paper services as well. Um, and the way it works is when we receive new court orders, the court order comes 
through and is allocated to the correct team. So if you're a lay deputy, you'll end up with probably one, a team like me, mine or Ruth, and you'll have a named caseworker. But if that person's not available, then you will be sat with a certain team. So there's always someone available to talk to. Great, thank you. So what happens if you've been acting for a while or you've just started acting and realised that you can't be a deputy anymore, so you no longer want to be a deputy? What happens then? If in the future you decide to be discharged as a deputy, you'll be asked to consider who can replace you. If there isn't anyone, you can ask the local authority if they have capacity to take on your deputyship. Otherwise, a professional person such as a solicitor or an accountant may take on this role. All of these professionals will make a charge to the client. Please be aware the court telephone number is 0300 456 4600 gets very busy i suggest emailing them on court of protection enquiries at justice.gov.uk you will receive an automated email but they will write back to you thank you so that's it today for our how to be a good deputy podcast but you can get in touch with us if you have any further questions So thank you to Ruth and Sarah for volunteering to be on this podcast. We hope you found it informative. You can get in touch with us on 0300 456 0300 or email us customer services at publicguardian.gov.uk or if you'd like to get in touch with the supervision team, call us or email us on support at publicguardian.gov.uk.